Hi, and welcome to the Reef Roundup podcast, where we dive into marine conservation stories from around the world. We're your hosts. I'm Graham. And I'm Tamara, and we can't wait to dive into this episode. Join us and meet some of the many amazing people who are doing exciting work to save the ocean for future generations, with a focus on restoration, ecology, and environment. We hope today's show is a wake-up call, but also brings you both hope and inspiration as you learn about the amazing work that's being done and how you too can be an ocean champion. Let's get started. Just a quick note before we start this episode, the interview with Daniela was quite wide ranging. And so today you're just going to be hearing the first part of it. If you come back in two weeks from now, you will hear the second part. Please don't forget to like and subscribe to the show. Thank you so much. Here we go. Thank you to all of our listeners for joining us for another episode of the Reef Roundup podcast. Today, I'm very excited to be talking with Daniela Mejia, who works in Utila, Honduras, in an organization called the Utila Coral Foundation. You'll hear more about their recent name update uh, during, our, during our episode. And without further ado, welcome to the show, Daniela. Thank you so much, Graham. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. Thanks for the invitation. Thank you. If we could just kick it off with you telling us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, how you first got interested in the ocean, kind of, you know, where where, where your path started from and how it led <laughs> to where you are now. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So buckle in. It's a long story. Okay. Um, so I was born in Honduras and ever since I was little, my parents always they were adventurers, so they would always take us around the country. Like we visited a lot of different places around Honduras, but our favorite were the Bay Islands. So the Bay, Bay Islands are currently where I live. Utila is the smallest of the three, um, and they're on the northern coast of Honduras. They're famous for their beautiful reefs, for their white sand beaches, and obviously for the diving. So I learned to snorkel and I learned to dive from a young age. And obviously this became one of my passions. However, I actually moved away to the States. I was living in Boston where I was working and um, I sort of lost touch with the ocean for a little while as I you know, studied university and just pursued other interests in my life. It was then that I realized, you know, like, oh, I miss the ocean so much. I miss the, I miss diving. I miss seeing the fish. I miss, you know, exploring and just kind of being in the warm weather. And I also felt like there was something missing in my life, which was giving back and protecting something that was so beautiful and valuable to me. So I became interested in like conservation projects that were going on in Honduras. And one of my goals became to come back to the country and start an NGO and do something for with conservation, marine conservation especially. Wow. Initially, I was interested in sea turtles. You know, they're very beautiful. Everyone's really interested in them. They're cute. Um, and obviously, they're very endangered. So yeah. I came back to Utila after seven years living in the States with that goal in mind. And I started working with local organizations like Bay Islands Conservation Association, they're a local NGO, um, became involved with sort of the projects that they have going on. And at the same time, I became a dive instructor. 
Oh, okay. Now, yeah, I don't have a background in biology, but I did pursue a master's in marine sciences. And during this time, I became really passionate about corals, which I think are the sort of unsung heroes of the reef. Mm -hmm. No one really pays attention to corals so much. Um, but they're super important and they're also kind of cute in my eyes. At least. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Definitely. So um, I learned about this thing that was popping up everywhere called coral restoration, which was basically taking coral from the reef, growing it to a certain size and then planting it back. So you're basically helping the coral grow really fast so that you can restore areas of the reef that have lost a lot of the coral cover around mm -hmm. them. Okay. And this seemed like something that was really interesting and that would be beneficial for the island as well. So my friend and I back then, 2015 or so, yeah. we decided to start our own project, which that's how Utila Coral was born. Oh, wow. I saw, and you, you mentioned this a little bit, um, and what you just said is like your passion for doing this work developed, you know, maybe before your education was you know, complete in, in regards to being a marine scientist. Like, can you talk Definitely. a little bit about Definitely. that and like any sort of challenges you face, like not having the full science background yet and like how you decided mm -hmm. to pursue that master's and any, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that whole process. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people assume that if you work in conservation, that you're some sort of biologist. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily the case. There are a lot of people coming into conservation that have different backgrounds. And I feel that that's a benefit to the, to the practice because it does require like a multidisciplinary approach. And a lot of times when you are a scientist carrying out these things, you also might feel a bit inadequate if you don't have the background on it. And that's a little bit of why I pursued my master's, because it's not that I felt completely inadequate to do the work, but I also felt that I wanted to learn a little bit more and just have like the fundamentals mm -hmm. of marine sciences in order to just be better at the job I was doing. So that's how I pursued the marine sciences degree. And I really feel like it complemented a lot of my knowledge and it just made me better at kind of understanding a few of the things that I was looking at day to day, you know, so. Right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, what I'm hearing, and this gives me hope because I don't have a marine science or biology background either, but feel very passionate about, you know, like trying to be part of working in the ocean, you know, and for our listeners as well, you don't have to already know everything. You can no. start doing the work and like learn along the way and just kind of. Yes, absolutely. And actually, you know, there's the scientists that have the, the, the specific knowledge about the species that you're working with, but they need help because they need people to market the projects. They need people right. to create awareness. They need engineers and designers that can help them create, you know, and improve some of the technologies that they use day to day. Right. So whatever kind of your skills are and your background is, you can bring a lot to the table when it comes to conservation and helping science. I feel like in the past, it was a little bit more um, like you have to be, you have to have a certain skill set and you have to be a scientist. And that's the only way to get your foot in the door. Right. And now I think people are realizing that we really need like everybody helping in. Everybody, everybody's got to pitch in somehow to right. make it a lot better. Yeah. Right, right. 
Yeah. So like I, I have a master's in public policy actually, and thought that was totally irrelevant to the work that I wanted to do in the ocean. And I actually was pretty heartened by an article that I read uh, maybe six months ago that was talking about how a lot of, a lot of, you know, the big things like, you know, uh, ocean acidification or, or, you know, climate warming and stuff like that happen far away, but a lot of them have a, local impacts that are you know like coral can survive some of it but just not all of it on top of each other and like even i was it clicked in my head oh public policy could help address like you know the situation on a local level from that standpoint so give me a little hope (laughs) oh no you should definitely have hope i feel like imposter syndrome gets the best of us sometimes and we feel (laughs) like we are boxed in because of the one thing that we studied or the one thing that we do for work and that that's it for you, you know? But no, you can actually, with those skills, you already have a sort of outside-the-box thinking that can help projects like ours get out there and just, you know, improve in many different ways that we could not think of because our nose is so low to the ground, you know, thinking of, like, the coral and working with the coral, but there's so much, like, so many other things that you have to get done to make the project run um, and grow and yes public policy is a huge one actually and um, in in other countries ours unfortunately is really difficult to get policy to change with the scientific knowledge and it doesn't go as fast as science is advancing yeah Um, so unfortunately for us here that would be such an important thing for someone to come and help with but the governments are a little bit deaf when it comes to that kind of thing. So it's, it's a little frustrating. But in other countries, I know that there are scientists that are leading the way and helping push public policy and change yeah. laws and change all these different things. Right. And that's making a huge difference when it comes to protecting the reef and just overall improving the, the life of people. So you are super important as are <laughs> other people in, in making science matter. Absolutely. Well, thank, thank you, thank you for that, 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 that boost. I'm ready to go hit the hit the hit the ground. And... That's my goal. <laughs> I want everybody to come and help <laughs> wherever they are. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, wh- why don't we yeah. switch over a little bit to um, talking a little bit more about the organization that you co-founded? Uh, again, the Utila Coral Foundation. Can you tell me a little bit about just a little bit about the origin story. Yes, absolutely. So while I was working as an instructor in Utila, Honduras, I met this lovely British young lady called Gemma. Uh, she became one of my best friends, and she's actually a marine biologist. Okay. And her and I had big plans for the island. We were all for conservation and doing all these different projects that we could, whatever we could get our hands on. But the coral restoration project sort of became like our baby. Okay. So yeah, so we started uh, doing all the proposals and trying to get the project running back in 2015. Okay. So during three those three years, we were just meeting with people, going through the red tape, the bureaucracy, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, until finally in 2018, we were able to start the project. So we had all the permits from the government. We had the support from like local dive centers and local NGOs. So we were good to go. Wow. Um, we started basically really just grassroots. It was 
um, we funded the first few trees, like it came out of our pocket. And, you know, we were just basically trying to see where the money was coming from. We started selling like jewelry that a local Honduran company was making for us so that they would uh, raise funds for the project. We started just asking people for donations and just really, really basic, but it was two people really, really into the project that was were making it happen. Yeah. And so, yeah, so since 2018, we've had, we've had a nursery. It's been growing. I can actually explain what a nursery is because I think most people don't know. Yeah. And you mentioned Um, the word tree too. So if you could also explain the word tree. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So basically the way that coral restoration works and the work that we do is we build these tree structures made out of PVC. They look like a bare bones Christmas tree, essentially. And those trees are the temporary housing for coral fragments so that they can grow and get to a certain size before they're returned to the reef. And the point of those trees is that biologists, scientists, divers, volunteers, anybody can help take care of them by maintaining them. So we keep them clean. We remove any predators. We remove any competition that the coral may have. So essentially what you're doing is giving them the perfect environment to continue growing and be super healthy. Got it. And once these coral fragments have have been there for about a year, then we can return them to the reef where they'll create coral cover or they'll, you know, return life to areas of the reef that have been degraded and have suffered. So that's our, that's our goal in a nutshell. It's very simple, but it does take a lot of time. Of course, of course. So you mentioned that when you were like starting early on, you were kind of trying to do projects all over the island and several different things. And how did you end up narrowing in on this as being, you know, the kind of primary uh, focus in your efforts to help restore the reef there? It seemed like something that was achievable in the long term and in the short term. That's one thing you you that we wanted to do is that we, we wanted to make sure we can make a difference in the short term. A lot of conservation projects, you need long, longer years and like just a long time of monitoring or doing the project to see a little bit of change. Right. And we were interested in something that, you know, in a year you could see coral back on the reef and that would sort of be the um, motivating factor for other people to get involved and for other people to want to, you know, maybe replicate the project or people to donate more. So we were looking for something that was both long-term and short-term achievable. So coral restoration seemed like the perfect project. Thank you for joining us for another edition of the Reef Roundup podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please take a moment and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to add us on Instagram at Reef Roundup for news about the ocean, inspiring stories, and more. You can also find more about us as well as our guests at reefroundup.com. We release a new episode every two weeks. See See you soon. soon.